Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Decoding the Unknown. As always, hello there. I'm your host, Simon. What happens here? One of my writers, in this case, Ilza, has written a script for me. The Story of Mermaids. <laughs> Already the title. Are they real after all? No. No. There's no one out, like, from the simple biology of it. How would it... That, that, it's a, how does a mermaid work? What is that? How does that work? How does that work? I mean, there's probably a, there's probably a way. I, I don't want to think about it. <laughs> It's weird. Let's just... Okay, look. I'm starting from a very skeptical position here. Let's see if Ilza convinces, convinces me in this enormous script that I have in front of me. From beautiful maidens saving drowning sailors to half-human monsters luring innocent men to their deaths, mermaids have been a staple of fiction and folklore since man has been telling stories. Freshwater, seawater, ex-South African President Zuma's swimming pool. Whoa. <laughs> okay. Yeah, that apparently happens. If there's a body of water, there's probably a mermaid in it. <laughs> no, there's not. And a body of water does not include a swimmer. I've got a body of water in my backyard. It's a puddle. <laughs> Stories of mermaids are as varied as the cultures who tell them. They can be beautiful maidens warning soldiers of impending storms, or they can be omens of bad luck. If you see a mermaid at sea, expect a death on board. Oh, sh**. Well, good news, there's never going to be any deaths on board ships because no one sees any mermaids. Because they're not real. Of course, a mermaid who is angered can cause a storm, so it's better not to cross them. In other tales, they're horrifying beasts. They can grant immortality or make wishes come true. I don't care how horrible the beast is, if they can grant immortality, I'm going to make friends with that beast. To me, mermaids are like, I always just imagine Ariel from The Little Mermaid. That's what mermaids are to me. Obviously fictional. With their volatility and unpredictable nature, mermaids are often considered a symbol of the wild and untamable ocean itself. Their likeness was carved into figureheads of ships as a means of protection, and mapmakers often use mermaids to indicate dangerous or uncharted waters. Here be mermaids and monsters. <laughs> ah, no, not another mermaid! I'll be honest, when I started researching this script, I expected to mostly tell the story of mermaids, what they are. Where do they come from? What do they mean? You know, more mythology than fact, because everybody knows that mermaids aren't real. Right? Imagine my surprise when I learned that not only are there thousands of people who believe mermaids are very real, some folks even believe that they are direct descendants of mermaids or actual mermaids themselves. I mean, yeah, of course they do. There are people out there who believe they're like Napoleon. Does it make them Napoleon? Absolutely not. Does it make them crazy? Absolutely. <laughs> so this begs the question, why this firm belief in the existence of mermaids? Is there a grain of truth hidden somewhere in all the tales? Well, yeah, probably. I mean, usually, like, there's some mythology thing, and it's like, well, there's a little bit of truth there, or we can see how that got started. Um, so, yeah, okay, sure. Origins. Being a writer, I like to start at the beginning. Where did the legends of mermaids originate? Mostly, it seems that mermaids don't have a clear start. They're a bit like a force of nature. They simply are. Mermaids, like the wind, you can't see it, but you know it's there. <laughs> it's like people are like, you know, God's real. You can't see the wind either, can you? And it's like, <laughs> it's not how that works, is it? However, I did find two tales that might shed some light on where mermaids came from, in mythology at least. The thing with sirens. Let's start with sirens. If you think that a siren and a mermaid are the same thing, you're not entirely wrong. It's generally accepted that tales of mermaids evolved from the original tales of sirens, and in a lot of the early literature, siren and mermaid are used interchangeably. However, sirens were not, in fact, mermaids. Sirens were half-women, half-bird creatures, what? Who lured men to their doom with their captivating singing. It's a bit weird. It's like, oh my god, I can't resist the beautiful voice 
This is like, what, what, I just listened to it on Spotify. Chill. The Sirens were the handmaidens of Persephone. After Persephone was abducted and taken into the underworld by Hades, Demeter gave them the bodies of birds to help in the search for her daughter. In this form, they were considered dangerous and deceitful sea nymphs and appear in Greek mythology a few times. In the tale of Jason and the Argonauts, they are distracted by the song of Orpheus. Later, when Odysseus swings by the Odyssey, he survived their temptation by ordering his men to tie him to the mast and plug their ears with wax. It's not clear when exactly sirens became half fish, but it was so why they like half human, half bird, half fish. It doesn't add up. But that's okay, it doesn't have to. It's mythology and fiction. But it would make sense that later storytellers thought a dangerous sea nymph is more likely to be half fish than half bird. For a long time, a mermaid and a siren were considered to be the same thing, but in modern times the words have diverged in meaning yet again. Today mermaids can be either friend or foe, but mostly they're depicted as the good girls of the sea, helping sailors on their voyages, rescuing drowning victims and falling in love with handsome heroes. Sirens on on the other hand, those handsome heroes are going to be disappointed. It's like, what? There's no. What? Ah, ah, you've got a fish tail. Ah. Oh my, why, why does my mind have to go there? Sirens, on the other hand, are considered to be dangerous and sometimes malicious. Perhaps they are more an embodiment of the sea, wild and unpredictable, like the mermaids of old. Atagasis, the first mermaid. Considering that sirens were technically birds at the time, Atagasis is mostly regarded to have been the first actual mermaid. <laughs> she was a mutant who was rather than being born half bird, was born half fish. I made that up, let's actually carry on. She was a Syrian goddess of water, the moon, and fertility, since gods have to be able to multitask. There are multiple legends and stories about her, but one thing is fairly consistent. She had a thing for water. Atagartis was born from heaven's egg that fell into the Euphrates River. A school of fish found the egg and nudged it to the shore. Later, I'm remembering these mythology stories are so wild. It's so wild. Like, people, whoever wrote mythology, they were on whatever, like, crystal meth drug was back in the day because holy I made a video for another uh, channel I do called Side Projects, and it was all about. I had no idea where to put it. Like, it didn't, doesn't really belong on Side Projects, but it was all about these crazy mythology stories, and that is wild. Like, just go watch the video. I'm sure it's out by now, and it's just crazy. Like, there are crazy stories. I couldn't even keep my composure, and it's supposed to be a serious channel. Moving on. Later in life, she went to Zeus and asked him to place a symbol of a fish among the stars, her way of thanking her saviors. This is how the constellation of Pisces came about. Of course it is. There is more than one legend to explain how she became a mermaid. The story goes that she fell in love with a mortal man and bore him a daughter, Semiramis, who would later become the queen of Syria. In some versions of the tale, Aphrodite was offended or perhaps a bit jealous of Atagartus's beauty, and it was she that created this fierce passion for the mortal man in the first place. Now, from here, there are two stories. The first story states that Atagartus accidentally killed a human lover and, in her sorrow, threw herself in a lake. A different. I'm still wondering how she had a baby. Uh, how does that mermaid biology work? What is wrong with me? A different tale claims that she was deeply ashamed by her sinful act of having a baby by a mortal man, though this has never seemed to bother Zeus, so I reckon she would have just been just fine. And in her shame, she killed her lover, left the baby to the elements, the baby was saved by doves, of course it was, and she threw herself into a lake. Either way, into the lake she went. However, because of her immense beauty, the other gods were unwilling to let her die. Instead, she was transformed into a woman with the tail of a fish, today known as a mermaid. Oh, okay, so she wasn't a mermaid yet. So she had a baby with a mortal man, even though she was a god, which, I mean, that's gonna be a weird power dynamic, isn't it? You know, it's <laughs> I'm a god, you're not a god. Ah. Can I, do I have free will? Am I doing this because of love? Or because you've messed with me like some Bruce Almighty sh**? Atagatis was a powerful water goddess and a fierce protector of her people, two qualities still associated with mermaids even today. Memorable Mermaids in Mythology Mythological mermaids could make up an entire script all by itself. Not on my channels. 
Some sources group all manner of water nymphs, deities, and shapeshifters, from the Scottish Selkie to the Slavic Rasalka as mermaids. But for this script, I'm going to focus on our current idea of a mermaid. Half human, half fish. The top half is human. The bottom, it would be weird if it was the other way around. Just a big carp. Just a big carp's body with human legs. <laughs> It'd be a lot less appealing, wouldn't it? It'd be a Disney movie with a big carp face and human legs. It'd be awesome. Someone should make that. Maybe it's already been made. I'm gonna look that up on you. I was what? <laughs> this shit you can look up on YouTube. I was like, you see these walls? If you're watching this, I've got these walls in the background here. And I was like, I bet someone like that guy from Free Solo could climb just a wall like that. You could fit your little fingers in there. And I look it up on YouTube, and there's videos of people climbing walls, just regular walls. And I'm like, this is amazing. And after this, I'm gonna watch a video about a fish head, human legs. Moment. What am I doing with my life? What do I? What's what's wrong with me? I don't have time to watch people climbing walls. <laughs> what's going on? I'm not going to try and cover all of them, there are simply too many, so instead, I decided to look at a few memorable and interesting mermaids that may not have a Disney movie about them yet. Like my brilliant idea for a carp-face, human-legged fish monster. Melusine, the Starbucks logo. Who originally had her tits out, by the way. Did you know that? The original Starbucks logo? Mm hmm. Nude. Upstairs. Yes. Not all mermaids live in the ocean. Melusine, the two tailed mermaid best known for her appearance on the Starbucks logo, is in fact a freshwater mermaid. She is best known in Europe, especially around northern western France, Luxembourg, Belgium, and the Netherlands. No, now she's known everywhere because she's on the Starbucks logo. They are everywhere. The story, except for Russia. Ah! The story goes that the king met a beautiful woman in the woods and begged her to marry him. She agreed as long as he promised to never check in on her while she bathed. Apparently, the requirements for marriage were a tad bit more lenient back then. <laughs> Some stories say that she had the lower body of a servant. Uh, sorry, not a servant. That would be weird. A serpent when she bathed. I mean, not. it'd be less interesting to be like, whoa, your legs have changed into the legs of someone very similar. <laughs> Oh, which would explain the need for secrecy. One day, the king broke his promise and presumably got the surprise of his life. The fairy then fled to Avalon with her daughters. Melusine, the eldest daughter, finds her father once she's all grown up and imprisons him in a mountain as punishment for breaking his promise to her mother. However, when the mother learns what she'd done, she curses Melusine to become a fish from the waist down every Saturday, which frees up Monday to Friday for running errands. Very considerate of her. <laughs> Thessalonike. I have no idea if I'm pronouncing these correctly, by the way. And uh, also, don't care. The sister of Alexander the Great. What? When Thessalonike died in 295 BC, she was transformed into a mermaid and lived in the Aegean Sea. Whenever she came across a ship, she would ask if her brother was still alive. The sailors answered with, he lives and reigns and conquers the world. Oh, of course, because Alexander the Great, how slow can you be? I'm like, wait, who's their brother? It's, like, it's in the goddamn title, Simon. You read it like three seconds ago. <laughs> tiny brain. She would let them be, but any other response would anger her, and she would create a storm condemning them all aboard. Wait, that's the end of her story? Okay. <laughs> Mamawata, an African mermaid tale. An African legend, Mamawata means mother of the waters. The spirit can be found in various regions across the continent, and so it can appear as either male or female. Never heard of a male, male mermaid. I guess that's not I guess they can be male. I guess, why not? You don't want to discriminate. She is depicted as a mermaid, a snake charmer, or a combination of the two. In some tales, she could take human form, but she's never truly human. Mamawata is considered a benevolent deity and is worshipped for beauty, healing wisdom, as well as protection against natural disasters. While Mamawata has her roots in Africa because of the slave trade, the legend spread across the Atlantic, and different versions of the tale can be found in the Americas as well. Wait, do we have to go through all these mermaids? <laughs> <laughs> I'm making an editorial description to skip ahead. <laughs> People are like, Simon, we're learning about the mermaids. And I'm like, oh my god, I just don't care enough about the mermaids. <laughs> They're just stories. And like, even like, it's not like we're reading some genius fiction, like uh, the Twilight Saga. We're reading about boring mythological mermaids. <laughs> Let's just move on. Mermaids in the evolutionary chain. 
Unlike some conspiracy theories, mermaid supporters actually have some science on their side. In fact, there are two theories that are considered to support the possibility of mermaids actually existing. The aquatic ape theory and the possibility of convergent evolution. Now we're getting some science! This is what I ca You guys come here for like mermaids, I'm here for like... How do the mermaids fit in? Is this actually possible? This is my jam. Let's go. The Aquatic Ape Theory the aquatic ape theory is one of those theories that drives scientists a little bit wild. Orthodox scientists consider it pseudoscience, while supporters of the theory feel that their research is being overlooked and pushed out of the realm of scientists by scientists unwilling to consider radical ideas. Either way, it has caused a division in the scientific community that would have made Darwin proud. According to the aquatic ape theory, human evolution had an aquatic phase around 3.5 to 9 million years ago. Since bones were not well preserved in water, it would explain the fossil gap. Humans died in the water and their remains, including the bones, were consumed by creatures perfectly adapted to crunching bones. Yeah, but all of them? Forever? Nothing got trapped in like some weird like ocean equivalent of a mudslide and preserved before it could be captured? Come on. Supporters of the aquatic ape theory suggest that some environmental situation forced our ancestors towards the waters. Whether this was competition for food or some environmental disaster is unclear, but it was necessary for the survival of the species. They argue that human beings show a lot of psychological adaptations that would make sense for a species evolving in the savanna. Another theory of evolution, but it would make sense for a species evolving to live in the water. Is there a gap, though, that we haven't plotted in that? I don't know enough about this to talk about it intelligently, really, but is there a gap in the fossils? Like, is there, like, enough? Surely we'd know about this. We'd have found some fossils or something. Because a lack of evidence doesn't mean it didn't happen, of course, but it does make it a little bit unlikely. There are quite a few, and I'm not going to cover them all. Oh, what? Theories of evolution. Or like, oh no, about the adaptations. But the most significant is probably the fact that humans walk on two legs instead of four. Humans would have had to walk on their hind legs to keep their heads above water. While animals in the wild sometimes stand on their hind legs and could even walk on their hind legs, it's not a very efficient way to move around. Apes on four legs are faster and more agile, which would have made it tough for a bipedal creature to compete when it came to climbing trees and hunting for food. Other arguments include humans evolving without fur that would make them more efficient swimmers. I have only one comment on this. Seals. <laughs> the scientists—they're like the the, the the scientists who believe in this are like, hey, hey, why do you have it? Look, we don't have any fur. We must have been in the water. And some other scientists are like, bro, 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 seals, mother. That's why you're not getting published in Nature. It's not we don't like you. It's just we think you're insane. Seals exist. <laughs> also, those cats without any fur. It's like the opposite argument. They exist, they're not, they're, cats hate water. And there are cats without fur. I'm sure that's not an argument. I'm sure someone just bred those cats not to have any fur. Because <laughs> someone was a right dick. Or actually, I think I know the story. It wasn't one born without fur, and then they just made it have kids, so they had cats without fur. And now there's a whole breed of cats without fur, which is just like, why? Why would you, why? The best thing about cats is you could stroke them. Because, I mean, I guess you could stroke the weird skin cats. <laughs> It just sounds horrible. Ah! <laughs> so you just straight just like shudders down. It's got this weird, like, you can imagine it's slightly sticky and clammy. Weird. Humans also have a layer of fat underneath their skin to help retain body heat since heat is quickly lost in the water. To cool down, humans sweat. However, sweating leads to the loss of vital salt, which could be a problem for a land animal, but not a sea animal. In fact, aquatic animals sometimes have to get rid of extra salt, which humans can do through sweat and tears. Then, of course, there's the argument that human babies instinctively know how to hold their breath underwater, which would certainly make giving birth in the water easier. In fact, water birthing is still an accepted practice today. Of course, there's more to this theory, but the important take here is that there is a school of thought that holds that at one time in our evolution human beings were mostly or at least very partially water dwelling creatures i don't know that babies automatically knew to hold their breath underwater who tried that <laughs> so what are we gonna do we're gonna dunk that baby in water and see if it breathes in the water <laughs> You need to be reported to an ethics board scientist who said that. And now we go from the realm of pseudoscience to the realm of what are you smoking and can I have some science? Some believe that when our human ancestors returned to land and continued their evolution from flint tools into the tech-savvy creatures of today, another branch of humans went deeper into the water where they evolved and adapted to living underwater by growing fishtails, the ability to breathe underwater, and amazing singing voices to lure sailors to their deaths because obviously you'd need that. 
Yeah. Why do you have a beautiful singing voice? Well, evolution has uh, led me to capture sailors and lead them to their deaths. And it's like, what, well, mate, do you know how long evolution takes? Have sailors even been around that long? I don't think so. I don't... <laughs> this is the crack smoking theory, isn't it? Convergence evolution. This theory wasn't covered in so much depth, because <laughs> it's crazy. But it's cr interesting and perhaps a little more plausible. Convergence Oh, I'm sorry, no, the Convergent Evolution Theory. We're talking about that one now. So, are you confused? God, I can't keep up today. I didn't sleep very well last night. My kid's having nightmares or something. Just wakes up, like, every hour, screaming. And I've got to go comfort them. And it's like, oh, come on. Why? I was sleep. I was having abusable dreams while you're having nightmares, you bastard. Convergence evolution is when two species reach the same evolutionary endpoints but through different means. Think of wings and the ability of flight found in insects, birds, and bats. Yeah, it's super cool. Also, eyes develop independently, which makes me wonder, like, if there are aliens out there, do they also have the Like, did they also... I mean, we just can't know. But it's not insane to think that eyes, if they developed completely independently on different species, that they'd also develop on aliens. Which is crazy. Some mermaid supporters suggest that mermaids evolved from a different aquatic ancestor, but still developed humanoid features. One reason this may be plausible is the mermaid's fin. While we call it a fishtail, it isn't actually a fishtail. A fishtail moves horizontally. However, aquatic mammals like dolphins and seals have fins that move up and down. While mermaid tails are usually described with scales or compared to that of a fish, in many images they're depicted with the tail of an aquatic mammal. Of course, this could also be because people have been confusing aquatic mammals like manatees with mermaids, but that really is a far less interesting take on events. Also, also, some people would describe that as a far more realistic take on events. Like me. <laughs> so if these theories are to be considered seriously, perhaps mermaids evolved either from humans or some other aquatic ancestor, but surely if mermaids were real, someone would have seen one by now, right? Well, people are always like, I've seen them, but it's like, yo, show me a believable video that isn't a grainy piece of it's like, you know when people are like, oh, have you seen that alien video? That UFO video? And it's always some grainy piece of shit where there's like a light and it's flashing around. And I'm like, yo, show me some mother HD Independence Day shit. And I'll be like, well, that was made in the Hollywood studio. But if I, it's never very believable. Show me something proper. Mermaid sightings. Apparently, man has been seeing mermaids since the dawn of time. A quick look through some of the hard-hitting internet publications brimming with journalistic integrity will show you a collection of mermaid sightings more numerous than stars in the sky. On this channel, however, we require a little more, so instead of grasping at every single mermaid sighting ever recorded, I'm just going to go through some of the more popular and interesting stories. 2nd Century Gaul Pliny the Elder, while a bit overlooked today, was a well-regarded Greek author and scientist who penned a work, The Natural History, that appears to cover pretty much everything from medicine, art, the natural world, and of course, mermaids and sea monsters. It's okay. This was nearly 2,000 years ago, and I'm betting that most of the people listening to this right now have heard of Pliny the Elder. I would say, if anyone has ever heard of you, or in any way has a record of you in 2,000 years, I would not describe you as overlooked. You're probably one of the most important people of today's era. According to Pliny the Elder, there were several sightings of Nereids, which is basically a Greek version of a mermaid. In fact, one of these creatures had washed up on shore, and its plaintive cries as it lay dying could be heard from quite a distance. Word had also been sent to Emperor Tiberius, informing him of a triton playing a conch shell, being seen and heard in a cave. The governor. This <laughs> is. Ah, historians in the past. Yeah, some of it's true. And also, some of it's just made up because I had to fill in the details, didn't I? <laughs> A governor of Gaul also wrote a letter to Emperor Augustus to inform him about a great number of nerried bodies washing up on the shore. Another report was of a seaman who would climb onto ships. The side of the ship where he sat would immediately sink, and if the seaman remains... <laughs> ah, ah, seaman, which <laughs> remains, remains on the ship, it would sink completely. Of course, you've got to push him off the side real quick. Of course, the stories don't end there. One story goes that at one time, 300 sea creatures resembling regular land animals, among them elephants and rams, washed up on shore. The conclusion to draw from this, if you were a part of the mere folk family, Gaul was the place to be. Rabbi Shlomo, between 1040 and 1105. 
The ancient Greek philosophers and scientists were not the only ones who believed in mermaids. <laughs> of course not, people still believe it. There are probably people watching this video now who are still like, Simon, mermaids are real. Because thousands of people watch these videos. I'm not even sure how many views this channel gets anymore. But statistically, one of you out there, and I want you to hit me up in the comments, has been like, if you're watching this, it also goes as a podcast, I know, I know. Um, if you're on YouTube, you can leave a comment. And there will be someone who's been like, well, Simon, I've seen a mermaid. I had a conversation with a mermaid when I was sailing my boat. And I'm like, how many mushrooms did you take that day? Uh, or tell me your mental history. <laughs> like the back, you know, you got some issues? You got some issues. You do. You, I know you do, because they're not real. How many times do I have to tell you? The Talmud makes reference to dolphins. It's like dolphin, but with an F creatures that reproduce like humans. My first thought was that dolphins sound suspiciously like dolphin. It, it works better when it's written out, but it's like F and then PH, okay? Why don't we just spell PH with F? Why are we so stupid? Dolphin even looks better. Dolphin with a PH looks stupid, which is a mammal and therefore reproduce like humans. However, apparently the dolphins with an F referred to are actually considered to be people, more literally, the children of the sea. According to Rabbi Shlomo, also known as Rashi, these creatures called uh, serine in Old French are fish with half the form of a fish and half the form of a man. It's going to be the fish tail, isn't it? It's never the fish head. It's never my genius carp creature. Now, I'm not Jewish, and I don't know the Torah or the Talmud all that well, so I'm relying on internet sources here. But I find the idea of a Jewish mermaid quite intriguing. <laughs> Fascinating. Oh, what makes, what makes your mermaid unique from all the other mermaids? It's a Jewish mermaid. Okay. <laughs> Can't eat a pizza with uh, pepperoni and cheese on it. <laughs> Sounds rubbish. The Dutch Mermaid of Edam. Edam? Edam? Eda, he don't care? <laughs> According to the story, a mermaid became trapped in Burma Lake close to Edam in the Netherlands in 1403 when the dikes broke during a storm. Man, Netherlands is on its game with all this water. 1403 and they're building dikes. Now it's like half their country would be underwater if it wasn't for all these like powerful... I made videos about them. There's this big thing that keeps all the water out. It's pretty awesome. After the storm had subsided, the dike was fixed and the mermaid was trapped in the lake where she lived and hunted for fish. At first, the local women were frightened by the creature, but eventually, after seeing her daily on their trips to their cows, they got used to her and decided to capture her. It's like, yeah, after I, you know, when I meet someone for the first time, it's like, oh, I don't know you very well. Then you become their friends and then you capture them. It's the natural progression of a friendship. And then you lock them in your basement. After catching her and cleaning off all the seaweed and moss, the mermaid species <laughs> dirty mermaid. The mermaid had to be placed under guard as she constantly tried to flee back to the sea. Later, the city of Harlem acquired the mermaid. She never learned to speak, but she did learn to spin, and eventually was able to sign to the women who visited her to indicate that she knew them. After about 15 or 16 years, she died, but by then she had made the sign of the cross so often that she was considered Christian and given a Christian burial. Fascinating. And real. There seem to be some questions about this tale. Oh, no, I'm sorry, about the tale, as in her literal tale. One source claims that the original story never mentions a fishtail, but rather that the woman had legs. This actually makes one of the possible explanations more likely. We'll, we'll get to that in a little bit. Another source claims that she still had the tail of a fish, but that her tail rested in a tub of water placed under her chair, made especially for this purpose. Why do you love these crazy stories? A third story claims that she did have a tail, but the mermaids can remove their tails if they wish. And it's like a costume. <laughs> and that she... What is going on? And since she was now on land, she removed her tail and went about on two legs. It's just... Can someone else put the tail on? Some historians have suggested the mermaid was in fact a woman who had fallen overboard in the storm and somehow washed up in the lake. It's possible that she was mute or mentally disabled, which would explain why she never learned to talk. Whether she was a real mermaid or an unfortunate victim of a time where disabilities were not understood or tolerated, to this day there are statues and artwork dedicated to the mermaid of Edom. <laughs> This is so sad. It's like a mentally handicapped woman fell in a lake. Oh, look at the mermaid! Look at her smashing them out like an idiot! Inappropriate people in the past. Inappropriate. Christopher Columbus. 
On January the 9th, 1493, intrepid explorer Christopher Columbus came across three mermaids off the coast of Hispaniola, today known as the Dominican Republic, while looking for a western route to India. Apparently, mermaids weren't the only thing Christopher Columbus could have find. Apparently, Columbus was rather disappointed by the encounter as he described the creatures to not be as beautiful as they were usually painted, though their faces did resemble human faces. It's like, oh, they got two eyes, they got a snout. <laughs> Christopher Columbus, he's like, those women are not very beautiful. Hey, Chris, mate, that's a f seal. <laughs> or whatever that would be in Portuguese. <laughs> it's Portuguese, right? Or was he Spanish? And then he went to Portugal to get the money. It was one way round. He was either Spanish and he went to Portugal to get the money, or he was Portuguese and he went to the Spanish to get the money. I feel like I should definitely know what nationality Christopher Columbus was. I want to say Spanish and the money was Portuguese. What if you're wrong? He also claimed to have seen mermaids another time off the coasts of Africa in the area of Guinea, though not much is available on that encounter. It's generally accepted today that what Columbus actually saw were manatees, or the now extinct Stella's sea cow. Some feel an experienced explorer would not confuse a manatee for a mermaid, while others consider having been at sea for five months without female company, the crew and their captain simply saw what they wanted to see. Be like, what's that, Chris? That looks like a woman to me. Ah, uh, no. As far as I'm concerned, it's Columbus we're talking about here. He's not exactly a reliable narrator, so I'll take anything he says with a generous helping of skepticism. Not hard for me. Henry Hudson and his crew. On June the 15th, 1608, on the second voyage of Henry Hudson, an English explorer looking for the elusive Northeast Passage, Thomas Hills and Robert Rayner, crewman of the Hopewell, spotted a mermaid while traveling along the coast of Norway. Of course, they immediately called everyone over to take a look, since you really didn't see that kind of thing every day. The mermaid was described as looking like a woman with a very pale skin and black hair from the navel up, while the lower part of her was a fish. A porpoise, to be exact, but speckled like that of a mackerel. To my knowledge, Hudson was a tad bit more reliable than Columbus, so who knows? Maybe we have credible witness to an actual mermaid. But again, maybe it was a woman dressed up in a suit. You know, it's more likely than it's more. It's really more likely to be that than it is an actual mermaid because there's just no evidence. There's just 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 just, 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 just. the habitable world described. Our Reverend Dr. John Trussler penned a work on well, the habitable world, described that spanned 20 volumes and was published between 1788 and 1797. Sadly, I didn't have a chance to read all 20 volumes. Disappointing, Elsa. Come on, don't you even. Where's the research? You don't read 20 volumes. But from what I was able to grasp, he really covered everything. When I tried to view the entire text, I was warned that some of the volumes contain up to a thousand pages. So I decided not to try it. Oh my god, 20,000 pages? Guys, it's a lot of work. The last part of the first volume deals with Norway, which is also where Hudson saw his mermaid. According to Bishop Pontopperden, the Bishop of Bergen in Norway, several hundreds of people of credit and reputation had seen mermen, sometimes at a distance and other times quite close to their boat, standing upright with the upper bodies of humans down to the middle, though none could apparently see whether they had fishtails. Apparently one person of credit, Reverend Peter Angel, once found a dead mermen. According to Angel, in 1719, when he had been around 20, he and a few fellow villagers found the body of a dead merman near the sea. He described its length as about three fathoms, dark grey in colour, and with the lower part of a fish and a tail like a porpoise. The face resembled that of a man. The nose was flat and pressed down to the face, but the nostrils were very visible. The arms seemed to hang by the side and were joined to the body by a thin skin. The hands were like the paw of a seal, and the back of the creature was very fat. Honestly, this sounds just like a seal. <laughs> it sounds like a seal that just looks a bit f***ed up for a seal. To me, this sounds like a manatee. <laughs> but this is a reverend telling the story, not a naturalist, so we'll give him the pass. The Age of the Mermaid the 1800s saw a lot of mermaids, so I only included a few sightings. Some of the sightings I read, like the popular DNS mermaid, were fairly obviously a seal or another sea mammal based on the descriptions. Of course, the increasing popularity of mermaids in freak shows, which we'll get to a little bit later, probably helped to fan the imagination of Victorian society, greatly increasing the number of mermaid sightings by credible folks. Here are a few sightings from the 1800s. The Mermaid of Kent! That's where I'm from! Kent, it's a county in the southeast of England. It's my home county. 
It's fine. They call it the Garden of England. I guess it's quite naturey. If the Kentish Gazette is to be believed, not one, but two people saw a mermaid about 12 years apart in Kent. In 1797, William Monroe, a schoolteacher, told the story of how he saw a mermaid while taking a walk on the shore of Sandside Bay. His description of said mermaid is in line with the beautiful maidens we imagine. She had blue eyes, flushed cheeks, and was sitting on a rock, brushing her light brown hair. He couldn't see whether there was webbing between her fingers or the shape of her teeth both apparently vital clues yeah the big fish tail doesn't give it away mate in his letter he pointed out that there had been others in the area that had seen this mermaid but that he had never believed them until that day when he saw the mermaid for himself the second account is from a miss mckay daughter of reverend d mckay who had been walking on the beach with her cousin when they came across three people standing on the rocks looking at what turned out to be a mermaid the mermaid she described was very similar to the one of mr monroe though perhaps not all that pretty the mermaid had the upper body of a woman and the tail of a fish, but according to Miss McKay, the eyes and nose were small, the mouth was large, and the forehead, nose, and chin were white. The sides of the face a pinkish color. Clearly, Miss McKay wasn't as taken with the mermaid as Mr. Monroe. Unfortunately, it doesn't seem as if any of the people with Miss McKay on the beach that day, or any of the other people who had seen the mermaid, according to Mr. Monroe, ever came forward to tell their stories of what they saw. So we only have the word of a schoolmaster and the daughter of a reverend, and I guess that'll have to be enough. No, it's not enough. Other people need to come forward. It's like, yeah, if a whole group of people is like, yeah, together, we were standing on the rocks and we saw this weird mermaid. Rather than a school kid being like, I saw a mermaid with some other people. Do we know, can we, can we get any talk from any of those other people? No. Then I'm sorry, but I don't think it happens. And I'm not against there being creatures like this. Because, like, this is over a really long time span. It's totally possible that there's some, like, mutant manatee that's just got, like, a super ruined manatee body from, like, some birth defects or whatever that kind of looks like a person. Like, this sounds like a, just a mutant manatee. The Benbecula Mermaid in 1830, crofters were out cutting seaweed on the west coast of the island of Bembecula when one woman spotted a mermaid. She called the others, working close by, and the men went into the water to try and capture the mermaid, but she escaped. A boy standing on the shore threw a rock at the mermaid and hit her in the back. She cried out in pain before disappearing into the sea. Apparently, throwing rocks at things is not a great way to make friends. Fucking <laughs> children. A few days later, the creature's body washed up on shore. She was small, her upper body the size of a three- or four-year-old child with abnormally developed breasts and she had long, dark, glossy hair. Her skin was described as white, soft, and tender. Now, I'm not sure if the person who wrote this was hungry at the time, but I am thinking of chicken. <laughs> Multiple people, including the sheriff, were called to inspect the creature, and they all agreed that it was definitely a mermaid. She was given a Christian burial in the graveyard, so I'm thinking someone was feeling a little guilty, and her funeral was one of the largest on the island. <laughs> This is so weird. What is this weird, muted creature? If you're thinking, let some archaeologists go and check this out, well, you're out of luck. There was never a grave marker for the mermaid, and some claims later that she wasn't buried in the graveyard at all, but rather in the dunes. So where exactly the remains of this mermaid are is a total mystery all on its own. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. A brief encounter at Cape Brenton. In 1886, a mermaid was spotted off Cape Brenton, an island off the coast of Nova Scotia in Canada, by fisherman Gabarus. There isn't much about this sighting, but I'm including it since the mermaid was apparently witnessed by multiple people. Here we go! According to the Cape Brooklyn Eagle newspaper of August 1886, a Mr. Bagnell, accompanied by fishermen out in a boat, found what they first thought to be a corpse. They decided to take it ashore, but as they approached it, the corpse moved. Oh, that must have been a bit of a shock. The creature turned around in a sitting position, looked at them, and then vanished. They described the creature as having the face, head, shoulders, and arms of a human being, but the lower part of a fish. Its hair looked like a horse's mane. The arms were shaped like a human's, but the fingers on one hand were very long. There's no mention of them seeing the mermaid a second time, so perhaps she was just passing through. Of course, if I came across a corpse that suddenly sits up and looks at me, I'd think twice about approaching anything remotely strange in the future. Again, this one, I'm wondering, like, at what point 
am I satisfied that mermaids are real? Because some of these, it's like people are definitely out there seeing real stuff. And I guess the thing is, for me, it has to be that same level of discovering a new species, right? And that same level of scientific rigor and documentation. You can't just go into the jungle with a few mates and be like, yeah, I saw a, 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 a purple gorilla. I saw a bright purple gorilla out there in the woods. People would be like, you need to have some sort of evidence of that. You need to, like, let's have a little fur sample. Let's uh, find, you know, maybe just trap him, shoot him, whatever. It needs to, I don't know how they prove things. But before a new species is accepted by the scientific community, there needs to be a process. And I don't think we're getting there with this yet. The Creature of the K Islands we're skipping ahead now to 1943. Bloody hell, that's a big jump. A time far better known for World War II. The mermaids? <laughs> Everyone was busy with the big war. Uh, the sighting is often listed as a well-documented mermaid sighting, and the story is very detailed. However, since I can't find any of this documentation, let's just stick to the basics. The creature sighted is not actually a mermaid, but the Arong Ikan. Japanese soldiers, a surveillance team stationed on the K Islands during World War II, claim to have multiple encounters with the Orang Ikan in their time on the island. The creature was spotted on land, but it was most comfortable in the water. It was described as around 150 centimeters tall with spikes on the spine, shoulders, and neck. They were light pink in coloring, similar to a salmon with a mouth like a carp. Instead of a single tail, as is most case with mermaids, these creatures had two frog-like fins and long arms. It made a hideous gurgling noise, smelled strongly of fish, and was not particularly friendly. This just sounds like a scary-ass fish. It's not a mermaid. It's got a carp mouth. While it may have been a brand new sight for the soldiers, the locals had apparently known about the orangutan's existence for years. Sergeant Taro Hariba, the man in charge of the surveillance team, asked the villagers to let him know if any of the orangutan were ever captured alive or dead. Apparently one was found dead, and the chief of the village called for Sergeant Hariba, who went to inspect it. He was so taken by what he saw that he tried to get the scientific community involved after the war, but since he never took pictures and there's no hard evidence of the orangutan, he never could get anyone interested in researching the story further. Now this story left me curious, since it claimed to be so well documented, I decided to dig a little bit more, hoping to find all that documentation so I could do an entire script on this creature alone. However, every site I found told the exact same story. Sometimes, word for word, welcome to the internet. However, I couldn't find any of the original sources to back it up. I'll keep digging, and should I find something worthwhile, I might do a script on this in the future. But for now, I'm going to chalk this one up to a writer's imagination gone viral and move on. Yeah, this is the thing. It's like, you read so many things and so many YouTube videos, like a preponderance of evidence. Because someone else wrote a preponderance of evidence, and someone before that wrote loads of evidence, and someone before that said there was some evidence, and then someone before that just made it up. And it just circles around, and you, you watch it some YouTube videos like, there's all this evidence. You know, like these creepy channels or whatever. There's all this evidence that this is absolutely true. And it's like, no, there isn't. What are you talking about? There's no evidence. You just read that there was evidence and you didn't check, did you? Come on, do a better job. This is YouTube. It's basically a peer-reviewed, you know. It's important that what we do is fact, guys. Come on. That's semi-sarcasm. A South African mermaid story. Call it patriotism, if you will, but when I came across a mermaid story from South Africa, I had to include it. Oh, Ilza's from South Africa. I had no idea South Africa had its own mermaid. Technically, we have at least two, but this mermaid, called the Kaiman, was actually seen. Early in January 2008, Daniel Kubido, a resident of a village near Swellendam in the Western Cape, reported that he and his friends were relaxing and enjoying a pot. Gee, that's like a kind of stew next to the Buffalo's Jag River. That is a brilliantly named river. At 11.30 a.m., he heard something that sounded like someone bashing on a wall, so he decided to inspect the noise, thinking that it might be vandals. Upon reaching the water, he saw a figure like that of a white woman with long black hair thrashing about in the water. At first, he thought she was in trouble, and he waded into the water to help her. However, when he saw the reddish shine in her eyes, he stopped and called for his friends to come over and take a look. According to Mr. Capito's mother, the woman made a strange sound, such sorrowful crying that her heart could take it no more. Turns out the group had encountered the Kaiman, a creature of a legend that lives in deep pools in the river and is responsible for drownings in the area. The last sighting had been recorded 15 years previously, so apparently this mermaid doesn't particularly like company. Again, this is weird, but there's no real evidence other than eyewitness accounts. I need more. I need more! A mermaid visits Kuryat Yam. 
This is a pretty big deal and made quite the sensation. In 2009, multiple witnesses in Kaya Yam reported seeing a creature resembling a young girl swimming close to shore and doing tricks in the water. This wasn't just a one-off sighting either. The mermaid was seen for a few days. For some reason, it took a while for the news to get around to it, but eventually the public and finally the government got involved. A $1 million reward was offered to anyone who could provide proof of the mermaid. You didn't need to catch her. A proper photo would be good enough. I can imagine that for once there were more blurry mermaid photos than blurry Bigfoot photos in circulation. Finally, NBC got around to investigating the story and filmed morning and night both above and below the water, hoping for some footage of the mermaid. Then, at last, success. According to the crew, they saw a human figure in the water. They tried to follow and film the mermaid, but sadly she vanished, leaving them without any clear footage. Some footage was collected from bystanders and it was sent to the Center for Coastal Ocean Research in Los Angeles. According to Michael Schacht, the center's director who examined all the footage, it's impossible to state whether the figure is in fact a mermaid or not. Seeing as how the reward is still up for grabs, though, I'm going to assume that the government decided no. Yeah, this is the thing. It's like it's like the, the grainy photos and grainy video of ufos it's like show me something real why is it not in hd mermaids in zimbabwe Zimbabwe has a long, problematic history with mermaids who are considered to be mischievous to downright demonic. Whereas Western mermaids might lure sailors off a ship, mermaids in Zimbabwe have been blamed for kidnappings, torture, and murder. <laughs> did you murder this person? I didn't do it! A mermaid did it! For most people, they are very dark entities and many people are deeply afraid of them. In 2012, at the Osborne Dam, divers had to investigate the reason for blockages in the pumps, but after going down once, they refused to go down a second time. Sadly, we have no idea what they saw down there because whatever it was frightened them enough that they refused to share it with their colleagues. Workers from other areas were brought in to finish the job. They'd not been exposed to the mermaid reports and would also be less vulnerable to the mermaids themselves. Okay, however, these workers also reported suspicious creatures and refused to go back down a second time. Now, from what I could find, it looks like the necessary ceremonies were performed at the Osborne Dam as well, after which the situation stabilized. Nothing like a bit of magic to get things going. So I guess the mermaids were happy enough to leave people alone and get on with their work. I skipped over a lot of sightings today, but I reckon I made my point. Mermaids have been seen across the world from early Gaul to contemporary Zimbabwe. Now, you may be skeptical, I know I sure am. Also, fact boy here, also. But all these people are adamant that they saw something. Yeah, but it's just eyewitness testimony. Where's the fish tail? Where's the bones? Why doesn't someone capture one of these and put them in a swimming pool? And while they can't prove they saw something, we really can't prove they didn't. Yeah, but that's not how it works. You gotta prove it. You, I, I, I don't. It's not my job to prove a negative, guys. So I guess we'll all have to agree to disagree on this one. Nah, we're all agreeing that it's bull. <laughs> Right? But there have been more than sightings. The remains of actual mermaids have been found. So does this prove the theory? I'm gonna guess no, because look, it's not generally accepted. Like, yeah, we know gorillas exist. We've seen them. Whereas mermaids, you're like, no, 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 that's fictional, right? There's no, no one's in their mind being like, no, 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 they're definitely real and there's consensus on that. Some people believe they're real, but they know there's not consensus. It's not like gorillas, where some people believe they, they're real, but people aren't sure. It's like, we know they're real. Even if you've never seen one, you know they're real. Fake mermaids. My apologies to anyone who got a little excited at this point. Basically, every single dissected mermaid corpse that has ever shown up has proven to be a fake, so it doesn't prove the existence of mermaids. Fake mermaids were a roaring trade in the 1800s, and some folks almost got away with it. Captain John Smith's mermaid. This is not so much a mermaid as a mermaid sighting. So we all know John Smith, not the Dr. Hugh pseudonym, the historical character from Bocantas, but don't get me started on that. Oh my god, I made a video about that guy's story is crazy. <laughs> In 1614, John Smith apparently saw a mermaid while sailing off the shore of Massachusetts. He described her as swimming with all possible grace near the shore. Her upper body was that of a woman. She had large eyes, but according to Smith, they were too round. She had a finely shaped nose, a little too short, well-formed ears, which he considered rather too long, and green hair, which was apparently just fine. Below the waist, however, she was a fish. It seems that he had ample opportunity to compare mermaids since he was so particular about the shape and length of their features. However, he did describe her as being by no means unattractive. <laughs> it's that fish body that does it for you, right, John? 
For many years, this was considered to be a factual account, but there are some problems. The main problem being that John Smith was nowhere near Massachusetts in 1614. Another article states that Smith saw the mermaid in 1611. This too doesn't help, as Smith was only in those waters in 1607. What's more, after carefully searching through all of his writing, historian Vaughan Schribner, I feel the need to give some credit here because this guy did a lot of reading and searching, found that Smith himself never wrote anything about meeting a mermaid, green-haired or otherwise. While this myth has been entirely dispelled, Vaughan eventually traced the story back to an article published in the 19th century newspaper Gazette of the Union on September 29, 1849. Back when you could just make it up. The story, however, was written by one Alexander Dumas. What? Author of The Three Musketeers and The Count of Monte Cristo? fictional works. <laughs> he has also written a story about a Frenchman's quest to find a Dutchman who allegedly had four children with a mermaid. In mermaid lore, this is not uncommon. Dumas also used a historical figure to add some validity to his own tale because, you know, we writers do that. However, it doesn't seem as if Dumas ever claimed it as fact which was done by numerous historians that followed. Yet don't, it'd be like in a hundred years someone being like, yeah, yeah, during Harry Potter's time and it's like, it's not real. <laughs> Good lord. The Fiji Mermaid This is probably the best-known hoax when it comes to fake mermaids, and it was the brainchild of none other than well-known shonen P.T. Barnum. I know this story. This is... I won't spot. While Barnum made the Fiji mermaid famous, its story started well before Barnum came into the picture. It's believed that the mermaid was created by a Japanese fisherman in the early 1800s and probably sold to a Dutch merchant after trade opened with Japan in the 1810s. The merchant ship carrying the mermaid sank, but an American captain, Samuel Barrett Eads, saved the crew and, as it happened, the mermaid. Fascinated by this hideous specimen that looked nothing like the image we have of a beautiful woman luring hapless sailors, Eads decided to buy the mermaid for $6,000 in 1822. That's around $145,000 today. In fact, he had to sell his ship in order to pay for the mermaid. In desperate need of travel money and without a ship, Eads first showed the mermaid in Cape Town, where a well-regarded missionary wrote in a well-circulated newspaper that the mermaid was in fact real. Yeah, let's listen to the religious dude. He's definitely a scientist. <laughs> Not. In September 1822, Eads finally arrived in London with the mermaid and exhibited the creature at a coffee house. People had to pay one shilling to see the mermaid, and hundreds of people happily parted with their money. Eads, apparently convinced that the mermaid was real, even invited two prominent naturalists to examine it. Both declared it a hoax, though. <laughs> However, Eads was not dissuaded and found a lesser-known and perhaps a less knowledgeable naturalist who was more than happy to declare it a real thing. Sounds like allegedly some uh, palms were greased there, doesn't it? It's like you tell me it's, it's real, right? It's real. This crisp shilling note tells you it's real. Then Eads made a big mistake. He claims that Sir Everett Home, a well-regarded naturalist, considered the mermaid to be authentic. Home had said no such thing, and Outrage published pieces in several newspapers declaring the mermaid to be a fake. This uh, was the beginning of the end for Eads. The mermaid lost its appeal, and it soon became apparent that Eads had, in fact, sold a ship that wasn't his to sell. Legal action was taken against him, and long story short, he ended up broke, sailing the seas for another 20 years to pay off his debt, but he died impoverished with only the mermaid in his possession. It was the only thing his son inherited. I'm sure his son was super happy, but like, yeah, yeah, oh, what's so the thing that ruined you, Dad? Why are you carrying this around with you? You should have got rid of this years ago and moved on with your life. I'm just gonna throw this in the trash, you loser. <laughs> This should have been the end for the Fiji Mermaid, and it probably would have been if it hadn't been for P.T. Barnum, possibly one of the greatest showmen that ever lived, and an absolute genius at marketing. The story of Barnum's campaign may not strictly be about mermaids, but it was inspired. Moses Kimball, owner of the Boston Museum had a and a friend of Barnum's, bought the mermaid from Eads' son in 1842 and wanted to exhibit it. Barnum had just bought a museum in New York, and Kimball thought that it would be a fantastic attraction. Barnum agreed but he already had a bit of a reputation after a prior hoax had blown up in his face. He knew no one would accept a mermaid he exhibited as the real thing, so instead he created the character of Dr. D. Griffin, a member of the British Lyceum of Natural History, played by his good friend Levi Lyman. Dr. Griffin was apparently a successful, knowledgeable naturalist, exhibiting all kinds of wonderful creatures like the platypus and, of course, the Fiji mermaid. The platypus is so weird, people are like, that's not real, why's it got a beak? 
Bonham orchestrated a bit, of a bit of a tiff with Dr. Griffin. He wanted to exhibit Dr. Griffin's mermaid, but Dr. Griffin refused. Anonymous letters were sent to newspapers mentioning the mermaid and the disagreement between the two men. When it became clear Dr. Griffin would not change his mind, Barnum generously gave all of his promotional materials to the newspapers as he would no longer need them. All the newspapers were under the impression that they had an exclusive, and so, of course, they all ran the story. The mermaids in Barnum's materials were beautiful young women with glossy hair, not the little abomination that would soon enter the spotlight. Conveniently, Dr. Griffin had to stop over in New York for a few days on his way back to London, and he decided to show the mermaid to a select group of people, most of them journalists. The story was a sensation, and everyone wanted to see the mermaid, so Dr. Griffin relented and put the mermaid on show in the New York Concert Hall for a week. Along with the mermaid, Dr. Griffin also gave lectures on his adventures and discoveries. Just make it up, this is great. <laughs> It's just all fake. He claimed that all animals had an equivalent in the sea. Sea lions, sea horses, sea cows, etc. So obviously there would be a human equivalent as well. <laughs> Anyone who knows anything, I feel like I know more. Like, I'm not a naturalist. I don't know that much. I'm not that clever. But I'll be like, yo, yo, mate, I don't think that's how that works. Like a seahorse isn't like a horse. It, it's, it's tiny. What are you talking about? The mermaid was on show in the museum for another month, and even though it was technically leasing the mermaid from Kimball, Barnum made his money back tenfold. After the stint in New York, there was a tour in the South that didn't quite go so well. Apparently, the Southerners were far more skeptical than their northern neighbors, and after some threats from a reverend in Charleston to destroy the mermaid, it was swiftly returned to New York, where it was exhibited at the American Museum again. There was another successful tour in London, after which the mermaid was apparently returned to Kimball at the Boston Museum. It's not entirely clear what happened to the mermaid after that. There were multiple fires. Kimball's museum burned down in the early 1900s, and a few of Barnum's exhibits burned down too, possibly whenever he needed the insurance money to build something new. <laughs> Just throwing a strong allegedly there. That's a big accusation. The Harvard University Peabody Museum has a specimen that some people consider to be the Fiji mermaid, but it doesn't really look that much like the creature described by Barnum, so we're not sure if it's the original Fiji mermaid or one of the many other mermaids Barnum exhibited. Some speculate that due to all the fires, the original may have been damaged and was rebuilt with parts from other specimens, hence the difference in appearance. Now, what exactly was the Fiji mermaid if not a mermaid? Apparently, it was the dry semi-mummified remains of a monkey attached to the dried tail of a fish. Not exactly the little mermaid from the Anderson fairy tale. Yeah, the advertising is like beautiful mermaids and it's like, oh no, it's a, it's, it's a mummified monkey attached to a fish tail. Great. <laughs> Animal Planet Special. Into the, is Animal Planet like the History Channel where they just make it up or are they more legit than that? I feel like they're more legit. Like Animal Planet in my mind seems like a channel that will actually be about animals rather than like cryptids and shit and telling us they're real. I like the History Channel and aliens and the pyramids. Come on, guys. In 2012, Animal Planet, a channel considered to provide true and factual content, yes, ran Mermaids, The Body Found. Uh-oh, Animal Planet. Sounds like someone's trashing their reputation. And in 2013, they ran a sequel, Mermaids, The New Evidence. Apparently, the show did provide a very brief disclaimer that it was science fiction based on scientific theory. But most people apparently missed that little detail. The show and its sequel fooled thousands of viewers, allegedly. We don't want to get sued here. Well, they said it was fiction. We're just saying it's fiction. And they fool people. That's kind of... I mean, I don't know if that was the point. Well, well fiction needs to fool people. Like, you suspend your disbelief. What's the difference? I don't think we're in hot water there. This sounds kind of like fun. Whereas this two channel is... It's just, it's just crazy. <laughs> I'll be honest, I didn't watch it. I have this strange compulsion not to watch fictional shows on factual channels. Yes. Mermaids The Body Found deals with a supposed government cover-up of a discovery that proves the existence of mermaids by scientists of NOAA, the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration. CGI sequences and fictional characters like one Dr. Paul Robertson, former NOAA scientist, all played by actors, set out to present the aquatic ape theory as accepted scientific fact. This is so strange. I, this is a clever joke, except you're publishing it on a channel that is just known for factual content, which is insane. They're going the History Channel direction. Or maybe they considered it and then they were like, what have we done? What have we done? The best actor goes to... <gasps> They even created a website to go to with the show. However, the website had conveniently been shut down by the US Department of Homeland Security. The government was quick to confirm that this too was a hoax. 
that's exactly what a government involved in a cover-up would say, right? No, they'd just shut it down and then be like, what website? <laughs> Mermaids, the new evidence, builds on the theory presented in its predecessor with more actors. I mean, scientists presenting new evidence to prove the existence of mermaids, complete with newly discovered CGI sequences. Sorry, I mean, found footage of mermaids. Animal Planet was quick to point out that they never intended to present it as fact, but merely used science as a starting point for creativity. So many people believed it was the real thing, though the NOAA released a statement assuring people that mermaids are not real and no evidence has ever been found to prove mermaids as real creatures. So the next time you watch an unbelievable documentary on a factual channel like Animal Planet, or our favorite here at Decoding the Unknown, the History Channel. <laughs> Be on the lookout for very brief disclaimers and don't believe everything you see on TV. Why would you betray your viewers like this animal planet? It's like History Channel, it used to be about history. Actually, did it? It must have been, right? And now it's the Animal Planet doing the same thing. So you're gonna be watching like BBC and it'll be like, this segment of the news actually just made up and we just, we just needed to fill airtime, so we just made it up. None of this actually happens. <laughs> Oh my god, this is like the dystopian idiocracy future we're heading for. Japanese mermaids. So, remember the Fiji mermaid made in Japan? She wasn't the only one. In the 18th and 19th century in Japan, sideshows called misamono became very popular. These were similar to sideshows in the West, like the famous Coney Island and the sideshows of hucksters and charlatans like B.T. Barnum, who we already chatted about. These sideshows were basically carnivals with dancers, acrobats, fortune-telling, and important for our story, exhibits of interesting creatures from far-off lands. Most of the exhibits were of actual animals and plants from other parts of the world. However, soon enough, mermaids made an appearance. Most of these fake mermaids were very small. They mostly consisted of the torsos of monkeys or other primates attached to the body of a fish. However, this is Japan we're talking about, and the craftsmanship on these specimens was so well done that occasionally they managed to fool even trained naturalists in the West for a while. The very creative form of taxidermy became a bit of an art form in itself. Japanese mermaids started appearing in sideshows in the West, and while those buying specimens actually knew that they were not the real thing, the Japanese craftsmen were considered such masters at making these mermaids that collectors paid top dollar for them. Lots of these mermaids uh, still exist in museums, private collections, and a few have turned up at temples around Japan. One example is a mermaid that is claimed to have been caught off the island of Shikoku between 1736 and 1741. The mermaid is currently being kept at a temple in Asakuchi. In March 2022, there were plans to take the mermaid for a CT scan to get a better idea of what exactly it is. The scientist in charge of the project is convinced it's a fake, but the local villagers firmly believe the mermaid is real, so who knows? Maybe the CT scan will reveal a real mermaid. I promise you one thing, it won't. If it does, I will eat my hat. I put this under fake mermaids, but one article I read did pose an interesting question. What if among all the fake mermaids manufactured, there was a real specimen or two? Surely the creators of the fakes did need to copy something. The original Japanese, they didn't, they'd just be like, yeah, let's go. there's a skeleton of a monkey, looks a bit human-y, and a skeleton of a fish. Boom! Glue them together at the spine, and we're done. The original Japanese mermaid was more beast than human, so was there perhaps a species of mermaid, probably now extinct, that once roamed the waters of Japan? There is, of course, no way to prove this, but the ocean is vast, and many species of animal went extinct before humans even discovered them. So was the original Japanese mermaid among them. Are they real? So, are... Mermaids real. Scientific research says no. There's no archaeological or scientific proof that mermaids are real or ever existed. The sort of proof that we need here on Decoding the Unknown. This isn't the Animal Planet. This isn't the History Channel. We need evidence, f***ers. Come on! On top of that, humanoid mermaids would most likely be mammals. However, aquatic mammals can't breathe underwater. They can hold their breath for an extended period of time. Elephant seals can hold their breath for up to two hours. Whoa! Recently, scientists also found that diving mammals have oxygen oxygen-binding proteins called myoglobin in their muscles, which allow them to store more oxygen, thus allowing them to stay underwater for a long time. I'm excited about when we can CRISPR ourselves, like genetically engineer ourselves, to be able to do this shit. It's gonna be great. You just go diving, and you just hold your breath for hours, just like cruising around, having a great time. 
It's gonna be great. Since mermaids, if they were mammals, would have to breathe, they wouldn't be able to live in the unexplored depths of the ocean. And with the number of boats, planes, satellites, submarines, and humans taking selfies wherever they go, mermaids would have been documented to the same extent as seals, dolphins, and other ocean mammals. If mermaids were fish, odds are divers and marine biologists would have found some proof of their existence. However, if they were fish, we probably wouldn't have all those sightings of beautiful maidens sitting on rocks brushing their hair, because fish need to be in the water. Most mermaid sightings are considered manatees dugongs? Okay, or in the case of older sightings, the now extinct stellar sea cow. Of course, seals have also been considered culprits. However, as one researcher pointed out, you'd have to be at sea a really long time and possibly have a bit of a poor memory for you to see a manatee and think, damn, that's a hot chick. Christopher Columbus, we're looking at you. I tend to agree. Personally, I think mermaid sightings have more to do with vivid imagination, mass hysteria, and mass hallucinations, or just good old-fashioned drink and drugs oh yes of course if you really want to see a mermaid you're in luck mermaiding has become a profession professional mermaids are performers usually at kids parties and aquariums or other high-end shows and events with detailed silicon tails bright mermaid costumes and an outgoing personality it requires training you need to learn to swim with a mermaid tail and hold your breath underwater for an extended time and many mermaids also invest in scuba diving free diving life-saving and cpr certifications it's more than just a job, it's a lifestyle, and as an occasional charlatan myself, I'm not going to judge. But despite all the sightings and mermaids in aquariums, I think we've decoded this mystery. Mermaids are not real, at least not the singing maidens luring men to their deaths variety. However, I'm open to the idea of an extinct species that looked half mammal and half fish, like the Japanese Ningyo, and I do believe the oceans are full of interesting creatures yet to be discovered, or at least properly documented. I play a lot of Dungeons and Dragons and Call of Cthulhu? So I totally believe in the Kraken and our great lord Cthulhu, eater of souls, but on mermaids I'm unconvinced. Maybe I'll be proven wrong in time, but this is one mystery. I think we can consider solved. Totally agree. <laughs> Totally agree. It's just sailors and people being like, I saw a mermaid, and people being like, oh, okay. Because there's no evidence, archaeological or scientific, as we said. Scientific? As we said. So, uh, yeah, they're not real, are they? Question answered in a very long and roundabout way. But I hope you enjoyed the history of mermaids. If you did, like this video. If you're listening as a podcast, leave us a review. That would be amazing. And thank you for watching or listening, I suppose. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.